0: Learning Differences with and Novell, And this episode is the first of season three. It says back to basics, how we learn. So welcome back. It's been a while. <laughs> I apologize for how long it's been. Um, but I have been working on studying and reflecting on some different things. So I'm excited to bring some great content to you. This season in 2023 is our third season. So let's get into it Um, today. We're going to be talking about kind of we're going back to those basics of how kids and really all people learn. What things do we have to keep in mind? What do we need set up for optimal learning? Like the best use of their time. If we're trying to teach them something, what's the environment in which they learn the best? We've talked about this before. This is kind of mostly just review and then also kind of leading into new things. And, you know, every time I talk about it, I might include different things anyways, so. Um, So first of all, kids are ready to learn when they are rested. So we need to make sure they're getting really good sleep, whether that means they're going to bed earlier or we're not waking them up if we're, if we have the luxury of like homeschooling so that we can let them sleep in until they're actually ready to wake up as long as they're getting the amount of sleep that they need. Ideally, you don't want to have to wake a child up. If you're waking them up, it means they didn't really get enough sleep and they need more sleep. So if you have to wake them up at a certain time and then that means they are needing earlier bed, you know, like if you need to get them to school, wake them, make, start working on getting them to bed earlier and earlier until they are naturally waking themselves up at the time that it's time to go. Now, there is a difference of like, you are waking them up versus you are coaxing them out of bed. They are laying there, they're awake, they've gotten enough sleep, but they don't really want to get up. And that can be a little bit different. And this is going to change as kids go through different periods of um, growth. You're going to see that there are times where kids need more sleep or less sleep. Um, A lot of people, I think, assume that as you get older, you need less and less, but there's a period of time where teenagers need a lot of sleep. Um, Fortunately, some places, such as in California, don't allow high school to start until, I think, 9 o'clock a.m., so they're allowing for those teenagers who need that adjusted sleep schedule to sleep in a little bit later. Now, I'm sure teenagers would still rather, you know, not start until noon, but it's at least an attempt to kind of move in that direction kids need to be fed obviously well nourished not just food but nutrition right so be be thinking about that i'm not a nutrition expert um and so i'll leave that to you to figure out what that means for your family and your child because that does vary for everyone but i think most of us can agree that a breakfast of donuts um, is not nutritious, and it's not giving your child the fuel, the, the right kind of fuel, to be successful in their school day, whether they're at school or at home. Um, not that you can't ever do donuts, but keep that in mind. <laughs> you got to send the right fuel to the, to the brain so that it can learn in the way that it, it needs. And then emotionally regulated. This is really a complex, big issue. It's not one that I pretend to be an expert in. Um, I've certainly researched it a lot as I love to do with everything that is of interest to me, but find what works for you and your family. And if you want some resources, um, there's, there's definitely some, some great stuff out there, such as Dr. Dan Siegel. Um, Hunter Clark Fields, um, Dr. Ross Green and uh, Dr. Laura Markham. Like, there's a, there's a lot of really great experts out there that talk about kind of ways to help yourself regulate so that you can help your child regulate and kind of work on those skills. Because if they're not feeling emotionally regulated, they're not ready to learn. If a child is really angry at any point in their day, they're not in a place where you can teach them something. If they're really sad, if they're too oh, like excited, like think about a kid that just came in from a birthday party or something, you're like, you're not going to sit down and make them do a math worksheet. They're too like, ah, right? Like it doesn't have to be negative emotions, but it's just like, it's not, it's not like balanced and it's okay to have highs and lows with our emotions. We just need to be able to also regulate them. And then we need to be in a more balanced place to actually be ready to learn. Okay, so we've talked about this pyramid before. If you haven't seen it before, this pyramid is showing, and if you, if you are listening to the podcast auditorily, I'll, I'll explain this. There's a pyramid that is showing the rate of retention of information based on the type of information that is given. So when a child is presented with a lecture Like just pure auditory information. They're sitting there. There's no active participation. They're just listening. And it's not just a child. Adults are the same way. Most of us who are listening to a lecture will only retain 5% of what we've heard. If we read something for ourselves, so a little bit of visual input, um, although it's a little different than visual, but... If you've read it, you have retain approximately 10% of what you heard. Now, obviously, these percentages vary by person, but this is kind of the average um, and rounded <laughs> a bit. Audiovisual is 20%. So an, the combination of auditory and visual information is 20%. A demonstration, where you're really seeing something happen and there it's a little more engaging is about 30 percent now those are all considered passive forms of learning so when you're learning passively we don't retain very much information Um, i know for myself i love to read i read all the time but if i'm not going back if i'm not taking notes while i'm reading and then talking to people about what i'm reading and like doing a lot more, I'm not gonna retain so much. I might enjoy it in the moment, but then it's gone. I'm like, oh yeah, I don't really remember what that book was about, <laughs> um, which happens a lot for me. So then we get into participatory and you're gonna see that par- participatory types of learning are significantly more impactful in terms of how much we are able to retain. People retain about 50% of a discussion type of learning activity. So if there's a discussion around what, it is ha- what you're learning, you're at 50%. If you get to practice what you've learned by doing it, you will retain 75%. And if you get to teach others what you're learning, you retain 90%. Now, again, these vary by person. They vary by individual activity. I've certainly seen people try to like force the teaching or the practice by doing onto people in a way that, it didn't really work out like I remember being part of that myself and feeling like I didn't really learn anything I just felt like I was put on the spot so there is a difference there Um, but overall we're kind of keeping things in mind and what we're gonna notice is that those who are teaching others are retaining the information the best so anytime you can get your child to explain to you something that they've learned they're going to retain what they learned much much better so as a recap, learning is retained when it is multimodal. So if you noticed, the more modalities that got added in, the more we retained. So multimodal learning leads to better retention. When things are discovery based, such as with um, anything hands on or figuring things out, you can retain it much better. It needs to be active. And when you share it with others, you're teaching others about what you learn in a genuine way, you retain a lot more. So if you can put into practice something to really help your child with retaining what they've learned each day, a a simple practice is every day around the dinner table, everyone shares a little bit about what they've learned that day. And you might even go further and make it specific to a topic that they're struggling with, or have them go through, what did you learn about in reading? What did you, and it's going to be hard. I didn't learn anything. I remember as a kid, like my dad would always ask, um, what did you learn today? Oh, nothing. And I didn't, I just didn't know how else to answer the question because I didn't remember learning anything. I think as we get older, we start to notice that we've actually learned something. And as kids, we don't really notice that we've learned anything. It's just part of living because we're always learning. And there's so many things that we're learning that it's hard to distill it down. So it, it be, everybody's situation is going to be different, but it becomes a, a practice of really figuring out. Sometimes it's, what did you do during math time today? Oh, t- can you tell me more? Can you tell me more? Can you tell me more? Until they've really explained to you what they learned. And they don't know that they're telling you what they learned, but you're digging in a little bit more, a little bit more. Um, And you can also just go with, with like, what did you do at recess today, right? And have that, that dialogue. Oh, what what happened after recess? So that they have that reference and, you know, they're just telling you about their day. But when they're telling you about their day, they're actually helping to remember and retain that information better. And, And the good and the bad and the whole day, like all the things not just, not just the academic stuff. It's all good. Okay. So learning happens not just at school between the hours of eight and three or whatever your school hours are. Learning happens all day, every day, everywhere. So keep that in mind. Um, I know homeschoolers tend to really know this and embrace it, especially if they've been doing it a while. But if your child is in public school or private school or a a traditional school, school you, you send them to school they go to school in any form they're not just learning while they're at school they're learning while they're with you they're learning while they're brushing their teeth right They're they're learning all sorts of things and you don't have to make all of those things academic but you can reinforce academic skills throughout the day um, and you can also present them with information that we sometimes assume the school is teaching them but they really need a lot of home practice to master um, unfortunately <laughs> so Concepts like time, telling, being able to tell time, it's taught at school, generally, but not very many teachers practice it with their students regularly, unfortunately, in my opinion. Um, so it's something that kids often, they don't know how to read an analog clock. If it's not digital, they don't know what time it is. So buy them an analog wristwatch and then, and just having it on them. Without making it like, oh, tell me what time it is. Tell me what time it is. It doesn't have to be a pop quiz all the time. Just having it on them and talking about how it works, making sure they know how it works and what it's showing, just that will give them constant practice anytime they're feeling a little bit bored, they're looking at their wristwatch, right? It's it's just another thing that they've got to think about and to pay attention to and to start playing with. Um, and I don't really think that there's an age where it's too young to start exploring that. Um, I wasn't intending to, but my three-year-old now has a watch. Um, because, anyway, but, and, so, it, she's beginning to explore it. So, the other big one, uh, money. We gotta, we gotta reinforce counting coins. So, Such a great tool for understanding fractions and decimals and percents and ratios. But we don't, most kids, they're taught money, right? Coins, these are the values, this is how you count it, practice. It's one chapter in second grade and then it's never touched again. Unless you're reinforcing it at home. So it goes away because they're not they're not retaining it. Right. They've done an activity. They learned it a little bit, kind of, but it doesn't have any real value for them. So they forget the things that you are doing with your children on a daily basis and that you are prioritizing are the things that are going to be retained. So give your kids coins to count, Um, make games out of it. You can um, have I, I do a thing where I give my four year old four pennies a day. And then we talk about exchange rates and how to exchange them at some point. And at five years old, it'll be five pennies a day. Well, do you want five pennies a day or do you want a nickel a day? So we have these conversations already because I just know how important it is. And, it, and at this age, it also allows just practicing straight counting, right? One, two, three. How many do you have? Um, and then we have a hundreds board. So we also show like within that, you can kind of see a 10 frame or you can see the fives like it, and it's divided also into quarters. So it's actually a really nice layout that we play with the pennies on there. Um, It's from treasures from Jennifer, if you're interested in in that board, it's a beautiful wooden board. Um, But the point is a little bit practice every day, every day, everywhere, all these skills, we need that. Um, And things like time and money have to get reinforced at home because they won't be. Um, Another thing that really gets reinforced well at home is a love of reading. If your children see you read, if you take joy in reading to them, they're going to feel that love of reading and gain more interest in reading. If the only activity your family does as a family is watch TV, they'll enjoy that family time. Family time is great. There's great conversations that can be had from TV, but they're not going to internalize that reading is a value. So do with that what you will. Okay. So your takeaway from all of this is that there are optimal conditions for true learning and it's fun stuff, right? It's about doing fun things all the time, everywhere. Go back to that idea of emotionally regulated. If your child is in a situation where you're trying to force them to teach someone because teaching has the highest retention rate, but they're feeling scared, they're not learning. They're scared. They're in a situation where they're being forced to teach people, and they're scared about it. So their their amygdala is shutting down. They're well, not shutting down, but kind of blocking off the processing. So they're not they're not remembering the information. It doesn't have the payoff. If they're excited to teach it, now you've got the payoff. As long as they're not like hyper excited to to teach it, then they might not. It depends on on the learning and the, the preparation that went into the teaching. But we, we've got to think about all those things. We need them to, to be well rested. We need them to be well fed. We need them to be well regulated. We need them to be engaged and interested and have conversations. I mean, really, if you think about it in what we've just been talking about, learning is relational. So your relationship with your child impacts their learning if you are working with them on something and having an enjoyable conversation about it, they are learning so much. If they're feeling stressed to perform for you and to finish their homework, they're not learning so much. They're just completing an activity. So really be focusing on where is the real learning happening and what is the value that that my child is needing out of this. Um, So think about all of that. Um and this well, I can show it. Um this year I'm gonna be going into a lot of different things. Um in there'll be various interviews. Next week we're gonna have an interview with Dr. Vicky Waller. Um, if you remember her from season two, she has a book called Yes Your Child Can. This season she's coming back to do a workshop with us and tell us about different ideas for learning activities around the home. Again, ways to engage with your child and make learning fun and these projects and, and she's got a free um, gift for you guys. So that's coming up. After that, I'm going to be getting into tips for IEPs, advocacy type of stuff. Like what do you need to know about an IEP? What do you need to to do to be prepared for it, to have it go well and be successful and all of these things. Um, later in the year, I'm going to be getting into information about dyscalculia. I think that this is an area that a lot of inten- of inf- of attention has gone into dyslexia. And we spent a lot of time last year talking about dyslexia and going through dyslexia and um, interventions for dyslexia and going into all of that. And I'm glad we did. Um, so important. And I want to just continue that, but now focus a little more on dyscalculia. I'm going to be learning a lot myself because this is one of those areas I've always felt that I didn't know enough about. Um, so I've been doing a lot of reading and research on it and I'm excited to share with you what I've learned. Um, and if you have any resources that you'd like to share with me, please email me always. Um, Kimberlyn at decoding learning com, and I will be super excited to see what you send me. So, That's it for this week, and I will see you, hear you, listen to you, um, talk to you, I guess, next week. Bye!